Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast, hosted by the Sports Booth. You've got myself and Husey back again a little bit later in g'day, the g'day. week, but we are here. Husey, Husey. Um, it's been an interesting week, I'd say, in the rugby world, especially yeah. for your Waratahs, at least. For the, for the Waratahs, for Australian rugby as a whole, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, next period of time. You know, we got, you know, one bit of good news. Michael Hooper, as expected, is joining the Aussie Sevens, which is really good to have Hoop still playing rugby. It means he could potentially still, you know, do whatever. He's not hanging out the boots, which is uh, which is great to hear because uh, he's got a lot of rugby left in him. Um, and, yeah, the Boratars. Well, well, we'll sort of get on to what's been going on with the Boratars. A few different things really uh, in there. Uh, but, look, we're, we're now, we're past the World Cup. We're looking ahead towards Super Rugby Pacific 2024. And, yeah, we're, we're building towards that excitement. Yeah, yeah. Squads were obviously named. Um, and I love the way we, we obviously discussed this pretty heavily last year because the New Zealand teams did it like this format last time where it was one team's getting announced, then the next, then the next. And today, or this time, they brought the Aussies on board and did yeah. them all in that, in that format, which was, which was fantastic, you know, build excitement for that day. I would like to see more in that day. I would love to see, like, that was a good starting point, but I think you could have, uh, you know, a TV show running for 24 hours with the squads or whatever yeah. it was, you know, like a, a thing when you're getting mm-hmm. exact reactions from fan bases, from teams, from, from the, like that. The, I guess the, the, the weird thing, though, is that, a lot of the signings that are in those team lists have been already announced. Yep. So you take a lot of the excitement out of it. But what you could do, and I think what you need to do, is that's a day where you build a social media touch point. So you put out something like a... Um, so for the NFL, they did their um, their schedule announcements and each team also did like a video for their own schedule announcement. And some of them were really amazing like the la Chargers did like a anime star one where each of their opponents was like a different anime villain or character type thing and you know i think there's a lot of creativity to be had across australia new zealand and the islands and uh you know the potential for that kind of thing where you have a squad announcement video uh, not just putting the list up but then you, so that way you create that social media touchstone you know you, you could go viral you could do whatever like just you know it's you know put a bit it's a great first step but now let's keep building from here like yeah you you you've got the basics let's improve upon it from here i couldn't agree more like i understand big signings you know maybe an announcement the old julian severe an announcement but um yeah i would much rather have the the general announcements of new players signing coming on that day rather than yeah and and i get it the deals will be done and you'll have some whispers and you'll have some journalists breaking news and you'll be like well, we could do that ourselves, but I would rather, you know, there be rumours and then it be finalised on that day. I just think even that will build more excitement in the news, exactly. like who's signing, who's not signing. Um, and, then, and then I it's love your like idea what it is as well. for the NRL as well. You know, the NRL does that. You know, there's rumours about where they're going to sign in the next couple of years, but it's not made official until that time period. Exactly. And I, and I just think that could work really well for the squads. And like, like, like I said, I would love a... You know, if it was running over 12 hours, a 12-hour TV show of, hey, reactions, we can go straight to the coaches, you've named this squad, why have you named this player? Yeah. You know, every so often, uh, every hour, talking to each coach, talking to each team, talking to the fans. I just think that would do really well as well. And then I love your idea as well. Even even with schedule releases, with squad releases, yeah. Like, there's enough mm. creative talent in this world 
to, to push something like that out. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see how each team goes about it because, of course, yeah. every team has their own identity and it will really build on their their identity. So, look, yeah, like you, like you said, good first step. We've got everyone now aligned that this is how yeah. this is going to happen. But how can we turn that into an actual show or, you know, an event? Yeah. Is kind look, of Waratahs have got Tarman. Just have Tarman, you know, <laughs> for the schedule, he's battling all the different uh, all the different uh, teams, you know, when they play the Crusaders, Tarman versus the Crusader, you know, punching a hurricane, <laughs> something like that, you know, just literally punching the wind, you know, drop yeah. kicking a koala when they're playing the Queensland Reds, just all, <laughs> all sorts of stuff, you know. Yeah, that might be blasphemy for for him, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But let's let's have a little look into the squads. Obviously, um, yeah. some name there, but not. I wouldn't say there's there's obviously some really cool names in there. Lee Halfpenny is the one that stands out at the Crusaders, yeah. getting former Welsh superstar coming down under. Yeah. Where he'll play, how he'll play, will be really interesting. Obviously, with Will Jordan, more than likely looking at that 15 jersey um, in Crusader land, but do they move him onto a wing to, to make way for Halfpenny? Just what's going to happen there is going to be fascinating. Uh, Julian Sevilla, obviously, 100%. at Moana Pacifica, Pacifica. The force with a host of new Wallabies joining them and building really nightly, nightly, nicely. Um, who yeah. is your kind of team to beat that you saw from those squads? Well, okay, so I'm going to break it down into sort of the, into the unofficial two conferences because I think it's worth uh, worth looking at both. So for me, I think in New Zealand, it's always the Crusaders. The, the team to beat in New Zealand is always the Crusaders. They're the standard. Yes, they've lost Mwanga, but they still have an incredible uh, squad there. Uh, and I just, for me, they, they are the standard for super rugby for how much they win, how often they win, how many titles they have. You, the Crusaders, I think are always the squad to beat within Australia. I want to highlight, look, I think this is going to be a really strong year for Australian super rugby, because I think this could be the year the Melbourne rebels actually make it into the final series. So I, I mean, it has to be with the signings, that they've got this year. You know, Taniela Tupo is a huge one. You've got, um, as well, existing team members, Kellaway. You've got Carter Gordon, right? Filippo uh, Dongunu is another great winger as well. Um, and there's uh, there's just so much talent with him. Uh, Salakai Lotto, I'm struggling to think of the name, Salakai Lotto, another really good experience forward to bring into that pack. Uh this is a this is a team that is uh, Rob Liotta. You know, this is a team that is poised to make a push and to and we saw them last year. They pushed some teams, but they tended to collapse. Uh, I think now they've got a bit more of that experience in there. Um, I think uh, they've got they've got what it takes to really be a top squad in the Australian um, Australian side of things. I think the Waratahs have had some really good off season additions. Uh, you know, I think the Queensland Reds will remain strong as they always do. Uh, Western Force have had some good signings as well, particularly Nick White, uh, Ben Donaldson are some ones that um, stand out to me. Freeze John Pasatoa can get healthy. Maybe we could finally see him playing to his potential that he's been uh, penciled in at for his entire career. Uh, so I think overall the standard should lift for Australia this year. But for me, the team to beat in Australia much like the Crusaders, it's always the Brumbies. You know, the Brumbies are the are the team to to beat in the Australian Conference. They set the standard. You know, they've still got their great players. Uh, you know, uh, Debrasini is stepping into a, a larger role. Uh, 
Lonergan is stepping into that primary halfback role, uh, and they're not losing anything. Another year with Larkham, uh, you know, I don't see them taking too much of a step back. You know, despite the loss of of Nick White and some others, I still see this squad as being the um, standard for Australia. Yeah, it's it's interesting though that Australian, as we're saying, conference, unofficial mm-hmm. conference. It is. I, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be the most competitive. Yeah, like you look at Australian rugby and mm. you look at that Wallabies team and I'm trying to think, is there a Wallabies player that they've lost that was playing Super Rugby pre-World Cup? I don't think so. Not from what I can remember. And you look at the All Black side of things and we've lost, you know, eight plus anyone else on a sabbatical. So I think it's about mm. 12 all up um, that aren't going to be there. That's twelve All Blacks, you know. That's twelve quality players. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, the Crusaders may be the standard, but who's going to play fly half? I know Fergus Burke's out with an injury. They've brought a couple in. It's like stuff like that is going to be probably one of the more interesting things. New coach there, new dynamics. Um, I look at a team like the Highlanders, who are quite clearly rebuilding. Um, maybe yeah. a very youthful squad. Will be interesting to see how they go. You know. It's never easy to go down there and win anyway, and they've got a passionate fan base. Um, so I, I imagine they will top over some teams. But I think this could be the closest year of Super Rugby we've had in a very long time. I think, yeah. like you said, the Melbourne Rebels, if Carter Gordon can take that experience back from the World Cup as well. I know they signed Matt Proctor as well, so another you know all-black experience. I, I just love what the Force have done over the past few years, and I think, I think they're building well. Um, then you've got the Reds who, you know, Les Kiss, the, the, the amount of stuff that has been talked up about him and his ability to coach. He's brought in Alex Hodgman um, and Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tuamang Allen, two former All Blacks. Alex Hodgman straight away becomes eligible for the Wallabies through apparently his dad um, and he hasn't played for the All Blacks for three years. So I just sit there and I go, that's, you know, front rows are, are so important in this game. And yeah, Queensland rugby looking really good. And then you can't obviously away from your Waratahs. I saw a photo of uh, Will Harrison the other day looking in some of the best Nick he's looked in since I've seen him come through. So yeah. if he can stay healthy, you know, with Donaldson leaving and Tane Image just the only kind of first five, recognised first five, there's an opportunity there. So I just go, okay, cool. Fiji, Dura, uh, looking really good. Haven't lost too many. Like they haven't done the full rebuild what Moana Pacifica have done, which I think was necessary for Moana Pacifica. Um they lose a couple of key players, obviously Levi Amua, but with Tani mm. Munga now at the helm, it's just going to be really interesting to see how such a such a change of players if they can kind of gel together so quickly. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I think for me another player that I want to highlight is the much maligned Noah Lolasio, who's been overplaying in France, and I've seen a couple of his highlights pop in my feed recently. I think he's going to come back a much better player for that experience. Uh, I think whoever the next Wallabies head coach is is going to be doing. I guess Eddie's really set the ground for a full reset and a full reassessment of of everyone. So there's no pot, there's no uh, weight being added being given to oh you played in the World Cup you played under Eddie because it's a totally different coach now and that campaign was a disaster. So if anything that might count against some of those players, whereas some of the players that weren't taken might have a few. Uh, uh, might just be able to say, hey, I wasn't part of that disaster, look my way kind of thing. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes. But I think Noel Olesia could have a, a very big year. Um, and it, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch how he responds because last year he was pushed basically by Jack Debrasini, 
um, and, and he was losing that battle. Um, but now he, he's gone over to France. He's played with some of the best in the world uh, in that level, learned from them. Let's see what he brings back. Let's see how he responds. Totally, totally. It'll be, yeah, his story will be really interesting. It, it, it's like you said, it's a clean slate for Australian rugby as far as I see it. Um, whoever comes in has a, has a clean slate, so it'll be really interesting to see yeah. what comes there. A, a player who did miss, miss out in uh, my mind, Lincoln McClutchy. <laughs> Um, from Moana Pacifica not offered a super rugby contract, which is really interesting because I thought he, he is an up-and-coming first five, led the Hawks Bay team to a, a final in the NPC over here in New Zealand. So uh, a big name to miss out. I didn't notice too many Australian names. Obviously, you're not going to have um, many missing out um, yeah. from Wallabies colours or Wallabies chances. Um, and I imagine there'll be some youthful development coming through, you can already tell, with the Waratahs themselves. Um, yeah. Wilson, you know, coming through um, will be right on Gordon's, Jake Gordon's uh, heels, I imagine, this year. Yeah, not, and another year under Jorgensen's belt, getting back and healthy and things like that. Uh, you know, Miles Amatacero coming over from France, he's still very youthful, but a towering lock, which is great because that's something that, the Waratahs have been desperately missing and Australian rugby in general has been desperately missing. So to get him back will be uh, in- incredible as well. Um, yeah, I- I've got some, I've got some high hopes for my uh, Waratahs this year, but then again, I always do. So. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be one of those years where a lot of teams go in with high hopes and there's going to be some really tough games in there that'll define a season. Um, oh, you know. Waratahs were decimated by the end of the year. By the time we got to finals, like it's the, the back line was just people playing out of also playing out of position all over the field. Like it was just, yeah, I felt for them. Yeah, totally. But I think, yeah, I just think with the the squad depth this year and what the force mm. have done, the Rebels have done, it's going to be one of those those years where I just go like right now to predict it is very hard, very very tough yeah. to say. Shall we talk about one specific Waratah that's that's captured been the headlines the, yeah I, it's, it's, for me again it's another one of these things that it's just rugby players talk to the nrl all the time they're just captured on this because of the recent feuding um and look i i realistically don't see it as happening because you've got a british and irish lions tour coming up in two years you've got a home world cup two years after that why would you why would you go to nrl in that time what are you going to do in the nrl in that time as Jed Holloway said, "You play up and down the east coast of Australia, and that's about it." And as well, I, it, it's I, I, for me, Mark's gone there to drive up his value to the Waratahs and to the Wallabies, and fair play to him. He should be a player in demand. He played well at the well, he's a consistently good performer, so he should he should get the money that he deserves. Um, so and so, it's a, it's a business move. I realistically, I, I would be very surprised if this happened. I mean, he's even said. He wants to stick with rugby, but there are other things that interest him and you never know where, where the future might take him. But that for me sounds like after the World Cup, you know, why a home World Cup is a literally once in a lifetime opportunity. In fact, it's, it's even rarer than once in a lifetime, you know, yeah. like there's some people that go their lifetimes without getting to play in one. Uh, and so I, I can't see that he would sacrifice that playing World Cup in front of his family here at home. Why would you? Why would you sacrifice that? He's still young, and then he can go to the NRL after that if he wants. So, yeah. I think it's him establishing some connections for maybe post the twenty twenty seven World Cup. And I can't see a team taking a big enough risk on someone who hasn't at least played rugby league recently. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's a big risk to take. I know he's a winger, and wingers convert 
quite well. Like it's a it's an easy conversion, but it's just a big risk when you've got so many talented wingers in the game already to to sit there and go, you know, we're going to take on this young kid from. It's all just part of this stupid code wars that shouldn't exist in the first place because the rugby union and rugby league are not each other's enemies. We can help each other out. The real enemies are AFL and soccer, right? Yeah. That's that's those those are the ones that are taking kids away because we can because players can convert between codes right you know so if we're if we completely drown one code we take away a pathway right we take away a door into the sport right and we maybe send a kid to afl or soccer instead it's a lot harder for those kids to come back to rugby right so yeah for me it's just it's it's egos by the landies and hamish mclennan and nick politis and it's just a bunch of um dumb old farts ruining the game for young people, much like politics in the state of the world. So it's just a microcosm <laughs> of the macro there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think Mark, he's within his right to chat to anyone he wants. Um, yeah. But I, I don't even see him going like, you're, we're talking about a home World Cup, obviously, in 2027, um, but then there's the, the excitement of a first ever World Cup in the USA in, um, yeah. you know, 2031. So it's like, he's, he's 22... No, I think he's 25. 23. There you go. 23. Um, so, yeah, eight years' time is only 31. Like, he's still yeah. knowing his work ethic, knowing his, you know, ability. At, at the moment, he could grow into one of the greatest Wallabies winners of all time if he uh, keeps going the way he is with trajectory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just and, think... And Wallabies are going to need to have a quality winger with Corbetti hanging up the, the boots. Exactly. So he's, he's got the world, on, you know, under his feet for, for, for the Wallabies there. Um, but like you said, I think it's, yeah, a, a discussion yeah. point where he can more than happily make those choices and decide. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't see it happening in the next four years when you've got British and Irish Lions. You've just got so much attractive stuff coming in. Um, yeah, and I, I understand as well why the league would jump at this with obviously the Suali signing, but I just yeah I tend to agree. I'm like they've started talking about you know having salary cap for relief for you know taking yeah. stars, and I'm like, did we all? So it's just cheating. Did we all just witness the Wallabies World Cup? And and was it is it is it that much that you think that those players need to be taken across to? league like they've got enough players themselves however they did obviously get pumped in the pacific you know nations final against the, the kiwis mm. but saying that like there's, there's yeah. enough talent in australia you can't I mean, tell me maybe that's a, it should be a bit of an ego check to, to league it's like you know tend to your own garden first before worrying about your neighbor um it's yeah it's just it's just dick swinging it's just useless dick swinging and i i really really hate it they they're all offended because Sawali, who came up through rugby union right, has gone back to Rugby Union for a, an incredible offer. And it's like, yeah, uh, I just, it just, um, it just irritates me how much these egos take over the game when I'm sure the players would just happily play whatever. Yeah, and it's it's, it's interesting because this isn't obviously a discussion point in New Zealand as much. Like, there's the mm. odd one where like an Artie Sevilla or TJ Piranara have mentioned, oh, I'd love to go and play for the Warriors. And there is no issues with that. Like, there is never yeah. a, oh, why would you do that? It's it's like, if you've given your service to the All Blacks, if you've given your service to Rugby League and you want to try something else or you want to take that opportunity there, why would we? We look at Roger Tuivasa-Shek who came across. Yeah. He wasn't blasted. Now he's not blasted for going back. He tried it, put on the black jersey, wasn't, wouldn't have lived up to the hype, but to even put on 
a black jersey is just a sensation. It's, a hell, sensation. it's yeah. impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's because it's, it's, it's egos from the top down, and in this instance, rugby Australia is as guilty as Australian rugby league. It, it's just, yeah. It they and they all and you know the whole argument about oh rugby union is a is it all old boys and rugby league is for like the workers. It's like, you know you can't you can't seriously look at me and say that Peter Landis, who was in charge of racing New South Wales, is just one of the one of the workers, one of the one of the lads. You know he's just as it's uh, just as much of a rich boy as like a Hamish McLennan type. You know yeah, so yeah. that old claptrap is is just it's just useless to. To say, and you know, you know, if Mark wants to go there after the World Cup, great. And you know, with Soali'i, he's on it, his contract to the Roosters. He's playing out his contract to the Roosters. He hasn't tried to get out of it early or anything. He's doing it by the book, doing it respectfully. And yet, we're still hearing all a big stink about it because, um, you know what, rugby league. At the end of the day, you just can't offer what rugby can. Right? There's some things that money can't buy, like a British and Irish Lions tour, like a home World Cup. There's some things that you can't do rugby league and you just need to accept it at the end of the day, just as equally as there's some things that rugby Australia can't do. Right. And, you know, another, yet another example where we should be looking at how New Zealand handles such things and to just be calm, level-headed about it and not be dicks, you know? Yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, talking about actually rugby Australia and, and Hamish McLennan, we'll get onto the centralisation topic. Um, Phil Wars mm. obviously as well come out and said, we're not going to make any more plays for rugby league stars. We've got to obviously do this sustainably, um, which yeah. is all right. I get it. But like uh, my assumption would be if you are going to sign anymore, it'll be a player leaving Australian rugby. So that contract opens up and then a potential coming in type thing. So uh, I'm not expecting any more signings as we may have yeah. under Eddie Jones, um, which uh, honestly what Phil War is doing is incredible. Absolutely fantastic. I think mean, he's doing a fantastic job so far, putting himself out in the media, putting a strong stance of where he wants Australia rugby to go, what he's trying to he's achieve. He's that level head that I was just talking about. Totally. Um, and has has successfully got the Waratahs across the line and joining the centralisation program, which is a huge first step. Um, yeah, obviously one of the biggest clubs here in Australia. So and he's made the uh, he's made the important guarantee that under centralisation, the ACT Brumbies would not move out of ACT, which was a concern of the Brumbies. Um, and the the reason there is that they're worried that if it all becomes centralised, they're controlled by Rugby Australia. Rugby Australia might make the decision that Canberra's not a big enough market and they'll move out of there. Now. The Brumbies is one of the strongest brands uh, in in rugby union, right? And even in Australian sports totally, right? The Waratahs and the Brumbies are the two major ones in Queensland comes in comes in third there. But even in Queensland Reds, I would say probably a distant third behind the Waratahs and the Brumbies, right? Those are the two uh, biggest ones. And I think you've got a really good rugby heartland there in Canberra and regional New South Wales. I don't know why you change that. It's a fantastic place and so but they wanted that reassurance and Phil Wars given that to him which I think is really important yeah 100 percent. and now I know the uh Reed CEO's come out and had a bit of a go at the, at the idea um and isn't too fruitful and has talked about the marketing that the Wallabies have done and, and this and that which I I understand there's some hesitant towards it because of how Rugby Australia has been run up until this point but saying that it's uh, has your Super Rugby team succeeded before this? Yeah. No, not for the past 10 years. If you can't tell me that you've had success in 
2011 was the last time I think Reds won. So let's say 10 years. If you haven't had a successful, you know, last 10 years, and you can say, oh, yeah, we won the Rugby Australia comp. Well, that can be defined as success. But when you're looking at it as a global, and this is a global comp with New Zealand, Australia, and Fiji, that that's not success. So yeah. you can't sit there and say you've succeeded as well while Rugby Australia has failed because in my mind, everyone's failed in Rugby Australia, including yeah. the club so far. Look, they've had some, they've had, they're one of the few clubs to have sort of financial success. So I guess from that point, that's where they come from is that they've run a good business um, and they don't want that business to go into hands that'll mismanagement. So I understand hesitancy. I think it is incumbent on Rugby Australia to show these clubs and to provide the structure to say that this is what we're going to do. This is what we're changing. This is how we're going to succeed. Um, and yeah, that's the, that's what I think Phil War is, is doing well. Um, I think he will get get there with this um, centralization. Um, and you know, the the rebels in the force. I mean, they sort of have to sign on because you know, if Rugby Australia reduces, that one of them is going right, and they don't want to be the one that's that's left out in the cold. So um, yeah, I think they'll I think they'll get there. It's going to take a bit of work, but I I expect that if you if he gets the Brumbies on board, then the Reds will come on board too. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I, I back Phil Wall to do it from everything he's been saying and doing and, and keeping up at his end. I, I can't see it not happening. Um, moving on to the Club World Cup discussions. There is discussions for a Club World Cup, which I actually love this idea. I think it would be really fascinating. I know the Crusaders are playing like mm-hmm. Munster and Bath or someone, someone over in February. Um, on a two-off, just a just a two-off game as they head over and do a bit of a tour. Um, but I just think this would be a really cool idea mm. to get some of those teams playing against each other. I don't know where it fits into the schedule, but I would love to see, you know, the Hurricanes versus Munster or, you know, the Crusaders versus um, uh, Stade Francais or Toulon or whatever. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, yeah I think it's a, a really good idea. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think it... it, it you know, maybe you have during the Super Rugby season. You know, we know we we have bye weeks now. Why don't we have a bye period during the middle of the season? Two weeks where, uh, and then one of those weeks the clubs go over and play another club or something like that. Or you do it pre-season, post-season. I'm sure they can figure it out. Yeah, they'll, they'll fit it in. They'll fit it into the calendar. I, I I guarantee that. I guess the the questions will come will be a how seriously do the teams take it? Like. Yeah. Are you going to go out and try and win this? Are you playing your starting lineup? Are you playing heavy? Um, and then B, I guess the the logistics of it working. Mm-hmm. How many teams make it? Like it would be really cool if we're playing with eight teams in a playoff in Super Rugby. If you said the top four teams mm-hmm. or the top three teams make the Club World Cup qualify for the yeah. Club World Cup, that would be really cool and give some incentive then to be pushing up that and say it was the top four teams. So you have the top four from here. Yeah, if the top four from like the URC, the top four from top fourteen, and top four from the Premiership, you know that sixteen teams come in play a pool. I don't know how it'll work, but it might yeah. even be top two, and you just go straight into quarters, things like that. Um, but again, just something to incentivize finishing up higher up the table. Um, so yeah. those last games, you know, you, you're not resting players or doing anything. You're actually having to compete to try and get those top four spots, which would make Super Rugby more interesting, which is great. Um, All Blacks eligibility now. This is obviously, we've come up, it's discussed a lot. The ghetto law, we actually haven't discussed it that often recently because Mm. they've been a bit more lenient um, as they went into the World Cup. Um, But now the World Cup has ended. Eddie's reign has ended, um, albeit brief. I'm interested to see what 
Aussie rugby do. I'm interested to see what New Zealand rugby do. Obviously, in New Zealand rugby, you have to be playing super rugby or go on a sabbatical, but you can't play the All Blacks while you're on that sabbatical. Um, and it's, again, it's another exodus for the All Blacks after the World Cup. And a player like, again, I said it took a, a young player coming up potentially in their prime, Lester Fonganuku, has headed over to France. I think he's like 24 years old, um, just kind of coming into his prime. Signed a two-year deal, so there's chances he'll be back for the World Cup. I know Razor will be in touch with him. But it does open up this question that do we let players now play from all over the world and play for the All Blacks? I am... I'm starting to get more to yes, but I, I just need some insurances as well that it's not going to hurt Super Rugby too much. Um, like I think I still think it's stupid. Like, like you look at you know football and the best English player in the moment, Jude Bellingham, plays for a Spanish team. Does, mm. does England care about that? No, they <laughs> they just want him to be able to play for England and win. So um, it is. It's one of those points. I like the idea of at least setting up a deal with Japan. And going, anyone who plays in Japan can play for the All Blacks um, because it's not, you know, you could get a squad together in Japan pretty quickly and everything like that. It's not the, the end of the world. Um, and I think it'll build relationships in that part of the world. I just think, yeah, the, the, the effort to get someone back from France and stuff like that and all of that would be interesting. I really don't have an answer. I just, I would, because I just don't, I don't see there being an insurance policy to say this won't hurt Super Rugby. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they can put in some extra clauses around the eligibility and stuff about um, how you qualify to be able to play overseas and for the All Blacks. I'm sure they'll work it out, but I think they're, it's eventually going to have to happen, you know, because the money is elsewhere at the moment. It is France, Japan. So unless, unless Super Rugby blows up again, um, which we which we hope and pray for, uh, then it's not going to be the, the those top-line players are going to look for money elsewhere, which you can't blame them for. 100%. Like, and I'm the same. I go, Lesha Fanganuku, you can't blame him for choosing the French money, setting himself up, mm. probably getting just about under a million dollars a year um, to play footy. It's, it's, it's just stupid that you wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Um, all right, to finish us off today, Husey, I'm going to put you under the radar. And oh, I'm running you through a World Cup quiz, my friend. Um, I've made it. Not easy. Um, so, I'm, I'm probably going to fail then. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how you go. There's there's 20 points all up, all right? Um, so a pass mark is obviously 10. The, yeah, the, last, the last one is heavily favoured, so there's 16 points on offer, which I think okay. I think you could get. I think, I think that's just an interesting one, so we'll see how you go. So yeah. the first question, my friend, who scored the first try? of the Rugby World Cup in 2023. Fuck me. Uh, that's, that is a good one. Uh, so about, France versus New Zealand. Yeah, there you go. So now you've cut France it down to 30 Zealand. players. Yeah, cutting it down to 30 players. Uh, God, did, Fran- did France and New Zealand score first in that? Uh, I'm going to say France scored first. And was it Ramos, the fullback for France? It was not, my friend. Uh, New Zealand scored first, Mark Talia uh, in the corner. So, yes. Good, 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 
good good trying to work it out. It was a tough one. Yeah. I make it honest. That's the uh, one of the two only New Zealand questions in here. For your okay. Australian question. Okay. Who was the top try scorer for Australia? Top try scorer for Australia. Um, it's going to be someone I don't expect. Try and think who who scored the tries for Australia. Say, there's Donaldson probably a few scored... actually. I I should probably say this. I've got the <laughs> yeah. the one that came up first on the list, but yeah, um... uh, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say, oh God. Okay, so take me. I need what? Take me back to the games. All right. So Australia versus Georgia. Then it was Australia versus Fiji. Then Australia versus Wales, and then Australia versus. Portugal. Oh, Portugal. We could have scored a few in that Portugal game that would um, that might throw my calculations. But if I remember right, Australia versus Georgia, Donaldson scored two in that one, and I don't know if anyone else scored multiples in the game against Fiji. I think we only kicked penalties. I don't think we scored any tries in that game. Uh, again, I could be wrong, but okay, uh, yeah. It's, and against Portugal, I'm not sure who scored in that one. I'm going to go with Ben Donaldson. <laughs> so there's two answers. I went back and checked it. Um, yeah. It was Ben Donaldson and Mark Noanganitawase uh, yeah. both, scored, both scored two tries. There you go. <laughs> so I, it I, you were not particularly spectacular showing, but yeah, I, my, my, my memory work served me well there. So there you go. One from two at the moment. Um, there was a game in the Rugby World Cup where New Zealand's hearts were in their sleeves um, because they were playing Italy. Um, yeah. Realistically, a spot in the quarterfinals after having lost to France. What was the final score of that game? Uh, that is a very good question. <laughs> um. He didn't put up 100. He's in the 90s. <laughs> High 90s or low 90s, though? Is it 94-12? Oh, 96-17. Nah. Very close. Very go. good. Very good memory. Yeah. Um, so that's one from three. But that's all right because the last question is obviously where, where it all comes in. So the one yeah. before that, for question four, how many tries did South Africa score in the Rugby World Cup final and semi-final combined? Uh, zero, right? It was all penalties, right? Am I correct at that? I need to, because uh, they won by one point. Do you want to lock and that I'm not, that's not my That's not my final okay. answer. So in the final <laughs> and semi-final combined. I for them, yep. The final against the All Blacks, semi-final against England. No, it's not zero. They definitely scored a try. Just one. Just one against England, right? Correct. One. Yes. Yep, one. Right, so that is right at the, it's right at the end. It was um, Etzebeth, right? No, Snyman. No? The big, other big lock, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, yep. Just a one. Um, yeah. So yeah, two from four so far, and we come to the money question. Yeah. Now, um, I can guarantee. I reckon you'll probably be able to get three or four of these, um, which would <laughs> would tip you over. Um, but yeah. there were eight red cards in total 
in okay. Rugby World Cup 2023. You get yeah. a point for naming each player and the team they play for. Okay. Sam Kane, New Zealand. I know that one. Straight straight off the bat, <laughs> I know that one. Uh, fuck. That's – God, I'm totally blanking now. Um, no, no, no. Uh, did Namibia get one against France for when they broke Dupont's face? Uh, I can't. I can't name the player though. I can That's name right. the country. Take that. Uh, someone else. Someone else got one, but won a game, and I'm trying to think who it was. I think you're thinking of the one really early in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, England. England got one and against Argentina where it was all the drop goals, wasn't it? Um, fuck, who got the red card? Was it was it Billy Vinopolo got the red card? No. No, he got a pre-World Cup. He got a pre-World Cup. Pre-World Cup, yep. Uh, I don't know who got it from, from England. Right. So you got um, four at the moment, four points. Need four I more. I don't know if I'm going to get the other four. I can't recall any of the other ones. To be perfect. Wait. Was there one in the South Africa versus Ireland game, or was it just a yellow card? There wasn't a red. I don't even know. It wasn't red. Okay. It's a, it's a... Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know <laughs> any of the rest. Of I can't. I can't even think. I just. There. Yeah, I know. I know Australia got cards. I don't think we ever got a red though. Correct. You didn't. Yeah. Um, so Did you need four Fiji more points. get a red? No. But no. two other island nations did. Oh, Samoa and I got would have got one then in Tonga. Yeah. Okay. Do you know who got them for them? No, couldn't. And couldn't the tell last you. one I'm going to give you. Um, obviously, my home country also got another red card in the tournament. Got another. He's only got another one. Mm-hmm. At right at the end of a game. Was that the was that the end of the France game at the start? Did they nope. get one against France? No. Against I believe it was Namibia. Oh. I couldn't even, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Unfortunately, Hughes, you have failed the Rugby World Cup yeah. quiz. But it was it yeah. was a very good effort, I must say. I remember I was writing yeah. this and I was like, I'll be impressed if you get enough. So you got Johan Dysel, Namibia. He was the one yeah. against uh France. Sam Kane, New Zealand. Tom Curry yeah. was the English one. Ah, okay. Um, Vincent Pinto got one from Portugal. Um, Who did no- he get that against? Was that against Wales? Don't even know. Wouldn't have a clue. Mm. That was one I would have never got. I wouldn't have got this one as well. Desiderius Sefe from Namibia got one. Bayer Fafita for Tonga got one. Um, those three I probably would have struggled to get. Uh, yeah. Ethan de Groot's. Head-on-head contact against Namibia, got a red card. Um, really? Yeah, right at the I end of the game, know. he came off the bench. Right. And the last um, one was a dumb one, Ben Lan, Samoa. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Against Japan. Um, just kind of ended their tournament a little bit early there. So, yeah, those were the eight red cards handed out. Hughesy, mm. hell of an effort, but unfortunately, 
you go home with no money. <laughs> that's, that's all right. That was a tough quiz. Um, yeah, those those were those were tough. The red card ones. I was happy that I got the Francis Namibia one. I mean, the Sam Kane one is in. No one's ever going to forget that one. Um, but then it'd be after that, I was struggling. Yeah, I thought you would have got that Namibia, Sam Kane, Tom Curry, Ethan the group potentially, yeah, and Ben Lamb. Yeah, that England, was I was like, I couldn't remember who it was from England, but I knew that someone got red, and it was relatively early in that game that they got like the red, but they just kept, doing the, yeah, yeah, just kept yeah. getting the drop goals. Yeah. Your memory um, does remember, but not enough to win the quiz, mm. unfortunately. But that's all right. We'll be back again another, another time and test your memory again. Um, but for now, that is us all wrapped up. Um, yeah. It's been a really, really interesting week for the world of rugby. I'm sure we're going to get a very interesting one again this week. I am getting heavily into the Premiership because that's the only rugby I have on at the moment. Um, and it's just interesting to see European rugby versus, uh, you know, Southern Hemisphere rugby mm. on TV and stuff and um, watching games like that. Uh, but I might do a bit of a recap of that next podcast just to keep us all in the loop what's happening while i'm seeing over here as i watch the highlights uh anything else going on in your world mate for for the rugby not not for rugby just for nfl steelers a winning record yeah there you go so <laughs> how about my helmet back there so. <laughs> i have all talking about the nfl at the moment but I'm, I, I'm I would <laughs> yeah. i would if i were you <laughs> yeah. um Alrighty, thank you for joining us on that rugby podcast today. My name has been Luke, that has been Husey. We will catch you next time. Goodbye. Peace.